0: but it's what I've been saying for years. A Facebook post out this morning, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's what I've been saying for years and years. And it's, it's against the grain, uh, strongly against the grain, but it's the truth. And until the children of God hear the truth, there's never going to be a change. We have been indoctrinated by, denomin- by, by denominationalism, that the church is the place where God's work gets done, and when we walk out of those doors, then we're free from it until next service or the next service we can attain or attend. And then we're back into God's service again. And that is not Christianity. That's religion. Christianity has nothing to do with that. That is not how the first church operated. We've been told, we, you know, we have pack-a-pew Sundays. We have, I mean, I've seen so many ridiculous, I've watched pastors get shaved bald. Just to fill all the pews, all the chairs in the, in, in the church. You know, I'll shave my head bald if you'll get, and boy, the people just would love to see him bald. And thought that'd be funny, so they fill up the church, and he sits up there and gets shaved bald. I'll eat my meal on the roof of the church if you'll fill up the pews. And that's just that. And and and, and there's been all kinds of games and gimmicks and anything to get people to come to church. And I get criticized on a regular basis that I'm not moving fast enough, that I'm not bringing people Up to the platform, working in the platform, working here, working there. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for hearts. I'm not looking for bodies. I'll fill the space until I find the hearts. I've just talked to a couple local pastors about this same thing. One of them you're very familiar with. The heart has not turned yet, and it's a, it's a strong concern. It's a strong concern. So I'm not here to beat you up, but I, I'm going to tell you with warning, we've got to figure out where we stand. Doing something for God is not going to get you a special place in heaven. Doing something for God is not going to get him to flow in favor with you. You already have a place in heaven and his favor is already on you. He favored you the day he chose you. He favored you before that. He favored you before you ever came into your mother's womb. He created you. The Bible says before you were formed in your mother's womb, his hand was already on you. Now that doesn't, that doesn't cause us, I've said it over and over again, I, I only have bunny bread in our house. And if you don't like bunny bread, you need to bring your own bread when you come to my house. I don't know if I'll let it across the doorway, but you can try. And that is because the owner and founder of bunny bread saved my business almost 25 years ago. He saved it. I was, I was preparing to make the phone call and file, file bankruptcy and be out of business. And he came along and he saved my business. And when he saved my business, you'll only hear me talk highly of him. I will sell you on bunny bread. I've tried to sell a colonial man on bunny bread. I tried to sell a, a flowers bread man on bunny bread. I will try to sell anybody on bunny bread. Why? Because he showed favor to me, and my heart now is turned toward him, even though on the tee box, I think it's a seven hole over an Anna, he's buried. He said, he said uh, location, location, location. So he was right there, and you can see him as you're getting ready to tee off. There he is. And I got a feeling what's happened in the church is we're not focusing enough on the goodness of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts and what he really has done for us in our lives and how good he really is because we're not sold sold out produces action I this is stuff to swallow pastor where's the grace in this you don't have to pay for it you just got to receive it The church is not your salvation station. The church is not the place for you to try to build. Everyone is called to a ministry, a vocal ministry. Every one of you are called to a vocal ministry where you preach the gospel, the good news. And you don't drag them to church. They follow you there. Because your life has exemplified such change that they walk after you and go to church with you instead of trying to bring them to church and let the pastor take care of their problems. That is not the pastor's job. The pastor's job and the board members of this house is here to manage this place, and managing it is not your job. Is this too tough? You're free to take the acquaintances that you come in contact with that you feel a connection with. You know what I'm talking about. There's people you just connect with, and you know why you connect with them? Because of the anointing on your life draws them to you, and you have a voice now in their life because you've connected with them. Now, why do you think God anointed you, and why do you think he gave you favor in their life and gave you a voice in their life? Why do you think that is? To sell them on something else? to go out to eat with them, to go bowl, golf, party, whatever. He gave you that anointing for one thing only, and that is to build the kingdom of God. And you have it on you. You know there's people that are just attracted to you. And they have nothing, they don't, as far as a real likeness, They may not even like to do the things you like to do, but they just like you. They want to be around you. They want to hear from you. They call you. You keep stumbling into their their lives. Why do you think that is? The anointing is attracting that. You have no power over that. It's what's living on the inside of you. It is what's come upon you. And with that, the Bible says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Persecution comes along with it. But we're made for that. We're made to overcome it. But if we don't know who we are in Christ, and I'm telling you why we're struggling with this identity crisis is because we have, the, the religious part of Christianity... Has created an elitism where there's just certain people who have certain jobs and they have certain special anointings that they do the stuff, and you're just here to get preached at and give money and support this and bring people and keep bringing people, and you keep bringing people. You know what happens with most people who walk in the door of the church? They're uncomfortable who don't go to church, who might be a part of another church. Jennifer, remember how uncomfortable you were when you first came here? What had to happen for that to come off of you? We had to go out to eat. And after we went out to eat and your questions were answered, then a a connection was made and a relationship was established. When the relationship was established, then when she came into the church, she wasn't uncomfortable anymore. We want to bring them in before we take that off. And if they're not following you, you got to find out why. you got to find out why. We all have our job to do. We've got to find out why. Right? Right. Okay. All right. With this brings a establishment inside you that you begin to know who you are in Christ. And then you're not out f- chasing and, and, and running and, and, and all this other stuff trying to figure out who you are. Trying to please everybody. Trying to make sure everybody likes you. That is not your job. Your job is not to worry about who likes you. Your job is to be sensitive enough to those who are drawn to you. And then what are you supposed to talk to them about? Hey, we got a band at church. We got a band. We're, we're missing a piano player. We could use an extra drummer. We need some more guitarists. We need singers. We need this. We need that. Uh, we need a sound man. We need we that guy, a guy back there to run that thing back there, whatever that is. We, we, need, we, we need, we need, we need. When's the last time you went to the bank because you need and you sit down in front of the banker who's got... And you start to describe to them or you want to tell them, you want to lay out your business plan, you want to talk to them about your need of a car or your need of this home or your need of this business assistance. And all that banker did, who's the source of who could help you, all that banker does is tell you about what he needs. When he's got all the sources. You've got the source... And we're telling them what we need. And we're not trusting God to bring what we need. We're trying to get what we need. You will begin to duplicate yourself. When you begin to connect and know who you are in Christ and let the anointing that's in you begin to work through you. We've thought of that thing as anointing as that idea of being able to lay hands on people and they fall out on the floor. Lay hands on them, they start speaking in tongues. Invite them into, the, into, in, into a life with Christ and they just run to the altar. That's the anointing. That is an anointing working. But that's not, that's not the anointing that he placed on all of us. He placed on all of us to duplicate, to go and go and fill the earth. That was the physical command of Adam and Eve. But in that physical command, there was a spiritual command. Go and fill the earth. With what? With believers. And it's not a job. It's what happens to you. It's, it's the most comfortable and easy thing you're ever going to do. It's not something I'm giving you a commission to go take off out there tomorrow and you start preaching everybody, uh, telling them about. There's some people, I was talking to a lady this week. She's been diagnosed with, with blood cancer. and She doesn't have long. She still feels good. She's a Christian. She's got a, a tough past. And I was talking to her because I had heard, but she hadn't told me yet. And because somebody wanted the preacher to go take care of it, but don't tell her I know, I told you. You know, you, preachers get put in that position all the time. Don't tell them I told you. But you got to go reach them. Well, how am I supposed to reach them if I can't tell them I know? And they don't want to tell me. What do I do now? Why do you put me in that position? I don't put you in that position. Don't put me in. Put me in the position you would put yourself in before you ever come talk to me. Then we're going to be on the right track. Okay? Now, I'm sitting here talking to this lady, and I throw in a few lead questions, and then she tells me what's going on. I'm like, finally, we you know, I can talk freely now. So I started to con- talk to her, about the woman with the issue of blood. And she went straight to, I know, and I'm going through this, and I'm just struggling with what I'm going to look like in the next few months compared to how I feel right now, and I'm just I'm just this, and I'm just that, and you know what, I just don't have time right now to talk about this. And, and inside, God just said, just shut up, shut up, stop. You are not called to save the world. You're not called to win everybody, and you're not called to see everybody gets healed. Does God want to win the world? Yes, that all might be saved. And does He want to heal everybody? Yes, His stripes were for everyone. Does he want to deliver everybody? Everybody he laid hands on were delivered. That's his desire. I can't be so arrogant as to think that I am for everyone. What I can do when a situation like that arises, see, we want to try to drive that point home. We want to put the hammer on that nail. And everything, when all you own is a hammer, you think everything's a nail. And sometimes you got to put the hammer away. And you, it's not time to drive a point home. It's time to just be quiet. Love on them so they don't close their doors and, and close themselves up. Because somebody, and then just pray, God, send somebody that has a voice in their life. You see? Send somebody along that has a voice in their life so that they can hear you and hear your good news. Don't make it difficult on yourself and set yourself up for Failure. Because you're not called, you're called to the world and it's really the world around you. And so what does that mean? Well, the people that I'm in contact with, I don't get in contact with anyone in my life that I am not figuring out how am I going to share Christ with them, period. Am I coming in with a motive? Every single time. Because he came to set the captives free, and everyone is born into sin and sins captivity, and I want to see them free. Now, can I reach everyone I come in contact with? Absolutely not, and I've already resolved myself to that. And you must resolve yourself to that also. You've got to know who you are in Christ. And who you are in Christ is not everything to everyone but something to someone. Right now, if every Christian who professed Christianity won somebody to the Lord in this nation, do you realize how many millions of people would be saved in 2023 if they resolved to just see one person turn and then build that? And listen, I'm going to tell you, when you start this road... You talk about persecution, you talk about struggling, you talking about uh, um, uh, frustration, you talk about getting angry. Just get ready. All your patience is going to be tried because the person that, that, that is drawn into your life is going to try every one of them. It's called discipleship. Have you ever seen a teacher that wasn't tried by every one of your little little ones? Huh? Who's that teacher? She's the disciple of that class. Discipling them in their ABCs, discipling them in their one, two, threes, discipling them in their history, discipling them in, in those things, right? Well, you're discipling in in Christ. And 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 you have to get a break from it once in a while. You have to step away from it once in a while. You got to. You got. That's where church comes in. I'm going to tell you: the more you step into this, the more you're going to find yourself needing church. Like I can't wait to get there. I got to get. I got to get something today because I have given out all week long in my spirit. It'll be a driving force to get there because you've given out all week long. I, I'm just telling you: uh, we we get to ministers' conferences. And the time I get away with Vic and Robin, I'm telling you, just to get there and just to, to receive for a little bit is just, whew, man, this is refreshing because, because now I'm receiving and not giving out and I'm not sitting here trying to, I never go to uh, anything like that trying to come up with another message. See, we gotta, we, we got to learn to prepare ourselves for church. And the reason we're not preparing ourselves for church and getting ready for church is because we're really not active out there away from church. Because if we're active out there away from church, then we're giving out all week long. Church is a station for encouragement, impartation, instruction, that's what church is about. Why would you bring a brand new believer into that? You just got to go out there on my post today. He said it perfectly. He said it perfectly. It it, it, it hit the nail on the head and drove it home. It is exactly what the church has got to grab a hold of. Folks, we are facing things we've never faced before. We're up against... um, the challenge of the ages right now for the existence of this country for the existence of our freedoms when I say all that I'm talking about it all comes down to our fundamental Christian beliefs are in danger of freedom on all levels and if we don't the one thing I can guarantee you is when you get around someone If you want to see miracles, I can tell you right now, I've seen more miracles in my life one-on-one than I have ever seen in a church service. Do you know why? Because the kingdom is operating out there one-on-one. And when the kingdom comes, his will is done on earth, just like it is in heaven. This is so easy, and there's no reason to take any condemnation in anything I'm saying. I'm trying to help you to understand, it. and you just got to know who you are in Christ. You are called, and you're anointed, and they like you for a reason. And I mean, it doesn't matter who it is I'm sitting in front. Of. I've sat in the middle of a of a um, of a. Um, Cracker Barrel with a regional manager who's there with his mind only on business, and in between our bacon and eggs, I'm trying to figure out, and boy, I tell you what, when you're working like that, God always opens a door, and I was able to preach to him about the goodness of God. He's a Christian man, but his whole family has, has he's, got, he's, got a, he's got some issues going on. And one in particular, and we just prayed for that man. And 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 you know what? He was so appreciative to that. That now I'm telling you, God's favor is rolling back on that, back onto me now, right now as we speak. I, I got that favor that I never had with this man. And and it was simply just getting an opportunity. He was not someone I needed to win to the Lord, but he was one that needed to know about the kingdom of God. Because a lot of people are saved and don't know anything about the kingdom of God. You start talking about the kingdom of God, and they're just like, you know, all they're wrapped up in is is their church. They look at that as the kingdom of God. This is just a building, and it is a building of education to to, to educate the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. And that's something that we have fought. Um, and it's so easy to get. I've gotten tied up in, in numbers and gotten tied up in offerings and gotten tied up in, in giving and gotten tied up in, in all of that stuff because I, w- I got into this without knowing who I was. So I went into survival mode. And I'm a guy who follows numbers. And so when I first got in this, I found out in the first six months like it's like almost 100% of churches that start out close. So, I'm looking at those numbers because I'm a businessman, I look at numbers. I look at I look at so you're going into this, you're almost guaranteed to fail. Do you understand that when you open up a ministry and you start it, you're almost guaranteed to fail. So you're going to run into hard times. You're going to run into some persecution. You're going to run into people that you thought they believed in you and they don't believe in you. Do they believe in Jesus? Yeah, but they just don't believe in you. So you've got to walk through that. Hello? And and then finally there will be some people that believe in you. And I don't know why they do, but they do. And you don't question it. God's bringing that in. God's working that, and then you start establishing something. But, but we sat there and, and fought those numbers, and it's not till you're around for about 15 years that you got a shot at making it. a shot, and it's a small one. You know, People talk about all these churches that are uh, huge. Well, they've been around forever. Cornerstone has been around forever. Cornerstone is not cornerstone. Cornerstone was the Baptist church down the street who the young people couldn't get along with the old people, and they split. And there's nothing wrong with that. One wanted one kind of music, and one wanted another. One wanted one type of preaching, one wanted another. So now what you got is two huge churches in town, okay? Which caused a lot of small churches to close, because they got good coffee, and they got good donuts. And, you know, and the small churches didn't want to change. So that's what you've got. But they've been around forever, They've been established for years. Go look at their history. They've made it. We're only 20 years old. That's it. You say, well, pastor, after 20 years, I had one minister who does nothing but break down ministries across the nation. He's part of about a 20,000-member church, but he studies small churches all over. When we started this 20 years ago, he wanted to know what did we look like geographically. He wanted to know what, what, what kind of population that we had. What, was the, what were a couple of the number one uh, denominations that were the largest in the area? I gave him all that information. He looked at me and says, well, Pastor, about 20, 25 years you'll get started. <laughs> Do you know how old I'm going to be? He says, yeah, you better duplicate yourself really quick because you're not going to see it, not at your age, you won't see it. He said, you'll see some of them, you won't see it. It'll be those that are coming behind you. So what did, what did I have to do? you got to start discipling. And then I thought that was another job because I, 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 I was raised in church, right? And then I found out and discovered that was everyone's job. He said, and make disciples, that is plural, disciples. And I can tell you this. I can promise you that when you operate in the kingdom, you are going to see miracles. You're going to see blind eyes opened. You're going to see deaf ears come open. You're going to see... Um, uh, cancer, cancer removed. You're going to see, any of you that I've I've personally had time with, that you had something like cancer or something like that in your life, notice that where the biggest things took place in our relationship was when we were one-on-one. Not really much happened inside the church, but you were learning inside the church. Learning for yourself what to stand on, and then it was the one on one that's the kingdom work. That's the kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We almost, Rick and Judy, we almost kept it out of the church, didn't we? Why? Because that's not the place. And we've been indoctrinated that that's the place, and now we're in churches and nothing's happening. Oh, we've got light shows, and we've got music, and we've got beautiful facilities, and we've got all the stuff that will entertain you into Christianity, but there's no power in that. People are not coming to get healed. They're not coming to get delivered. Because you can't. It doesn't happen there anymore. Why? Because we do We allowed indoctrination into a man's building program rather than operating in what they taught us in Acts. Acts is easier and Acts is cheaper. I can tell you, Acts is a lot cheaper. Acts is debt free. You don't have to build something so they will come. And I can tell you right now, that doesn't work. Build it and they will come. That was field of dreams. Rem- field of dreams, not, not reality. Reality, you could build it. I know one guy that, that started out and was doing great, had 7,800 800 people in his church. And they had the best music in southern Illinois. I would say the best, some of the best music in the nation. Some of the best. And it brought in 7,800 800 people. And he had, he, had, he had the pressure of, you've got to build it so they will come. And he went into the next building program, and that place was shut down within a year or two. Why? Because it doesn't matter what you build, it will not bring change the hearts of the people to be, to be connected with anything. It takes God to connect them. It, it, it will take God to connect them. They won't connect any other way. And you've got to give God time in their life to make that connection and maybe they know they'll never make it. Okay? can we can we can we live with that that they may never connect? Can we live with that? or are we going to stay there tr- keep trying to make them connect and get in a rut? And end up just being in one place for the rest of our life and our destiny is never fulfilled. Or do we just move on? Not treating them like they're not, not valuable. Not treating them like they're, 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 they're just a, a piece of paper and just throw it away. I'm not talking about discarding anyone. I'm talking about being able to just move on. Because there's another one out there whose heart is looking to turn. Amen? Be very sensitive to the spirit that he's given you at salvation. It's the spirit that you need to duplicate. And you'll know when this is over. You'll know when, hey, I've I've done everything I I know to do and I have to move on. Because if I stay here, I'm not going to reach the ones God has in my life to reach. I've got to move on. Amen? Amen? And you gotta just you just gotta move on. I like what one pastor said. Said a lady came up to him and said, "Hey, sir, did you did you see that so and so has left?" He says, "So they have." Well, what are we gonna do about that? Well, they're gone. So, end of story. Why 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 don't we chase after? Why don't we run after? I mean, you won't leave this place without me at least reaching out to you. But after I've reached out to you. I I have my own vision to fulfill, and so do you. So do you. And I'm looking for hearts. I'm glad we've got, I've got a lot of people here that have heart. A heart for this ministry, a heart for what God wants to do in this region, and a heart for what our purpose is here. I've got others that don't. They don't understand. It's not that they're, you know, y'all or some of you are, 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 you just don't understand. You don't get it. You've been indoctrinated too much. And I'm trying to help you get out of the indoctrination. It's an indoctrination of man. It was an indoctrination of the word. Now, I want you to understand something here. Because you're going to lose stuff doing it the way of acts you're going to lose you're going to lose relationships <laughs> you're going to lose uh, tribes that you you've been connected with you're you're going to lose them because your motivation has has changed you're not the same person you're always bringing the conversation around to you and it doesn't matter if if you get and and and, and you sound like You sound like us for a little while, but then you always bring that conversation around. Hello? Why? Because your motivation is the kingdom of God, right? Jesus was talking about this and he said, it's easier for a wealthy man or it's easier for a a poor man to enter into the kingdom than a wealthy man. It'd be easier for a wealthy man to make it through the eye of a needle than it would be to get in the kingdom of God. And what he's talking about wealth, he's not talking about just riches or finance. He's talking about the things he's accumulated. He's wealthy in a lot of things. Some people are not wealthy in finances, but they're very wealthy in in connections. Right? They know a lot of people. Well, when when we... Come into the kingdom of God. Our motivation has to change. It's not an acceptance. We're now a leader of that tribe. To lead them to Christ. And I can tell you. Not every one of them. They want your old you back. I I, I know a lot of people around me. Sometimes that I come in contact with. Once in a while. All they want to talk about is yesterday. Well I don't want to talk about Yesterday. Yesterday's over. I've been forgiven of yesterday. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not the same man as I was yesterday. Okay, so we're not going to go back, you know, to yesterday. I love going to class reunion, but I don't talk, I don't talk a lot about yesterday at the class reunion. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about where we're at right now. Let's not talk about yesterday. And it, and and he, what he's talking about. And and one of the disciples said, "Hey, we've given up everything." Have you ever wondered, well, as I give up whatever I have to give up, that's part of the persecution, that I have to give up to attain this kingdom, what do I get in return? Peter asked him, What do we get? And everybody, it's almost like the denomination or the religion of this world has told you, you don't ever ask what you get out of this. You don't get you don't have to go to hell now, that's what you get. You get to go to heaven, that's what you get. Don't be asking what you get out of this. But I love Peter. And notice Peter is the only one when Jesus came back to life in the tomb. He said, Go tell the disciples and Peter. So it's not a bad idea to be like Peter. Because he knows you by name. He calls you out by name. So when Jesus is used when Jesus you see Jesus use a name, that's when you need to pay attention to that individual. Now, there's a lot of story behind that, but it just lets me know, call the disciples, tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive. All right? Peter asked the question. Peter was always Zealous for whatever God, he was excited about God. He was excited about Jesus and whatever Jesus, he was willing to make stupid mistakes, say stupid things and just trip all over himself and he was even reprimanded in front of everyone and he didn't back down. Those are the kind of people that have heart. You can reprimand them. You can can talk to them about you're wrong. Peter was wrong. And Jesus even called him the devil, said, you're Satan. Hey, Satan. I've thought oftentimes as a pastor, because I've had a few, not many, but I've had just a handful that I would have liked to have said, hey, Satan, you know, (laughs) but if I'd have done that, Jesus did it and it's okay, but I couldn't have done that, you know, and I didn't do that. But he was reprimanding him in front of the other disciples. And Peter, you couldn't push Peter off. You couldn't get rid of Peter. What Jesus did for him, Peter was never going away. When he denied him, Peter felt so horrible, he went off by himself. And, God, and Jesus had to go sin for him by name. Jesus, and that wasn't good enough, so Jesus went out where he was and called him off the boat himself. Why did he do that? Those are the kind of people when they, they never give up until they feel like they have disappointed, and that's when they break down. See, that's what we got to be. We got we to get to that place where our heart is, so, you're not going to get me, you can't talk to me. And me will turn around and walk away. There's people in my life, you're not going to get me out. I'm not leaving. You might as well just, they might as well just get used to it. I'm going to be there. And it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. I'm still going to be there. Why? Because it's valuable to me. When we get to that place, we know who we are. Even in our correction, we can stand it and we don't give away. We don't give up. If you, can't, if you can't stand correction, then you're not mature enough to operate in the kingdom of God. I can just tell you that right now. You've got to be able to handle correction. Amen. It's a seed sown. And when we're able to handle that, then the ones who you're ministering to, that will be on them that they can handle correction. But if you sow seeds of not being able to be corrected what you're going to draw in is people that can't be corrected people that can't be corrected will never change and people who are never changed are never saved they're never delivered there's never an opportunity because they can't be changed does this make sense to everybody so what we sow is what we're going to reap in this and Jesus looked at Peter when he asked the question, the question none of us want to ask, but what do we get out of this? I've asked that question. I gave up my dreams, what I thought were my dreams, my pat and pat and our, our dreams. And we took the call of God in this. And I had no problem saying, hey, what do I get out of this? Because I saw Peter ask. So if Peter asked and he's still alive, well, he's not now, but I mean. Jesus didn't strike him dead, you know. Jesus didn't abolish him from the discipleship. Jesus didn't get rid of him, and God didn't put a, a declaration in the Word of God that Peter is no longer on the book of life. He asked a question, you know. So if I'm going to give up all this, and I'm going to give up where I want to live, I'm going to give up what I want to do, I'm going to give up where I wanted, what, what my ambitions are, if I'm going to give all that up, what do I get in return? And Jesus responded like that to Peter. And he, where he responded at, and I wanted to go there today, but you can go there yourself. Psalms 27 is where he got the message. Psalms 27. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 30, I think it is, is where he gave Peter the message. In this lifetime, in this lifetime, I assuredly, I say unto you, there is no one who has left house or brothers and sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's. So that's another thing we got to get a hold of when we're persecuted. Is it really the gospel's sake (laughs) or is it because we don't know how to communicate with people? Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime? Do you see the expectancy you can place on God? You're different. You're just different because, and people don't understand you, and the church has told you you can't ask for anything, you can't expect anything, you're getting to go to heaven. So that's after this lifetime, right? Is heaven after this lifetime or is it now? It's after this lifetime. So is Jesus talking about after this lifetime or is he talking about now? In Psalms he said, I will bless you in the land of the living. Not in the land of thereafter, but right now. And that's where Jesus got this message. I will bless you now. See, we're an odd group because we tithe and we offering. And people question you. They think you're weird. You go to church and you give. Well, that comes out of your budget. How do you take that out of your budget, you know? Why do you take that out of your budget? I'm asking when we take it out why don't we ask what are we getting in return here I'm laying my life down what do I get in return it's good it's enough that we get salvation it's enough that we do get we get removed from an eternal hell and we get to go to an eternal heaven and we get to be with him forever that is I mean that's 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 a that's a that's a great bargain uh, you can't beat that bargain that that's a real deal But God's trying to tell us there's more to this deal than that. There's more to this. I want to bless you even greater. And that is in this lifetime. There's going to be stuff you have to give up if you're going to live this life. If you're going to operate in this kingdom. I can tell you right now, Pat and I will tell you, there are things you're going to give up. There's going to be things you're going to have to sacrifice. There's going to be lines you're going to have to draw and there's going to have places you have to stand. And even when uh, children, even when family, even when, when friends, even when uh, a, a nation, even when your own government, all that takes place and it's against what you're standing, you're going to have to stand. And when you do, you're going to have to give up some stuff. That's just part of it. I've given up a great deal of opportunities to buy all kinds of other bread companies bread on sale, but I'll buy the bunny at full price every time, and it's no sacrifice to me because I know what that man did for me lest we forget what Christ has done for us and what God, the great plan of salvation, what God's done for us, and we forget that and, and we choose to take the sale price of something else. I, 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 I'm just uh, going to leave it all right there. Watch, I'll just finish this out for you. He said, who, will, who shall not receive, who shall, my sake, if you've given all this up for my sake of the, in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now and in this lifetime, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Folks, it's a decision. And, and in that decision, it it commits our heart. And you can't make that decision without focusing on the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that causes a man to repent. It's not duties. It's not jobs. It's not a threat on your eternal salvation. It's It's, it's not... It's not that. It is the goodness of God. It's not preaching hell and damnation. It's not preaching sin. It's preaching the goodness of God. So I'm telling you, there's nothing you can let go of. There's nothing you're going to turn loose of. There's nothing you're going to trade for him that you will not get a hundredfold back for it. Whether it be the location you you were choosing to live or 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 the people and the tribe you were you were enjoying being with or whatever. whenever you make the trade for what God has for you in his kingdom, you will not you will not be dissatisfied. And there's an expectation we can place on it. Jesus gave us the expectation to plan a hundredfold of whatever we've turned loose, given up. What my concern is right now is that we're probably in a, sa- in a season of transition and that transition is going to call for tough men only because weak men are now in existence and tough times are facing us and tough times create tough people I really wish I was in that cycle where my life was in good times. <laughs> How about you? And that we were just coming into good times. That would be great. Then I could look at the rest of my life and it would just be good times. And somebody else could be the tough person. And somebody else would have to, have to make the stand. Somebody else would have to hold the, hold the line, right? But that's not where we're at. We're now Kurt, in the position where we're going to have to hold the line. That's where we're at. We're coming into it. Um, 23, I believe that for the church and for us, is going to be just, again, one of the greatest years we've ever experienced. For God to move. Opposition always brings opportunity for God to move. Amen. What I'm saying to you is in 2023, all I'm asking is consider this message and consider how you're going to expand the kingdom of God. Not on your own, don't go out there and develop a plan, but God, how am I going to take the lead that you place in me and allow the anointing to do what the anointing does? And help me to understand who I am in Christ so that whenever I'm letting that anointing flow and you'll feel it flow, you've felt it flow before in your life. If you're a Christian, you have felt the anointing flow before. And when that anointing begins to flow, when it begins to, begins to make that flow, may I be led by you and not by myself and my emotions. May that be the time that I step up once and for all and become the disciple who disciples. And I begin to bring them into my life, begin to show them another way, bring them hope, and disciple them into a real commitment with Christ, not a congregational stand up. Everyone pray this prayer. That's why the church is in trouble. Mm-mm-mm, pretty good. I'm enjoying this. It's it's re- it's readjusting my 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 um, value, and it's readjusting my my motivation and process that it's on purpose that I'm doing this. You know, life of purpose. I'm doing this on purpose now. I'm, I'm waking up in the morning saying, hey, let someone cross my path. Let me be, let me be a disciple to someone. Let me help lead someone toward you. It's thin between him and them, Right? But let me be a leading in that. Let's recommit that. Let's rethink that. Let's re re in, in, install that into our life and give it room. Amen. And let's be the kingdom of God. All right. Is that all right? All right. Won't y'all stand? And. It, I said, stand, but you're stretching a little bit. Why don't you, on this side, just come on down and get you a cracker and a juice. We're going to take communion. After they get done here, we'll go to the middle. And after the middle's done, we'll go go over here to the far. And uh, if you need to sit back down, that's fine. Because just as I was telling you to stand, somebody was pointing, I did forget. But we're going to take communion this morning. I'm really not going to say take it. We're going to receive communion this morning. All right? So Rick and Judy, if you would start, just go ahead and. (laughs) I can't think of any better way to start the year out than having communion with us together here at the church.